the experience of working at Canvas, unlike anything I've had in my career to date, I didn't inherit an, an existing legal function. And while it's been a bit of a challenge to be in that position, it's been extremely liberating because it means that you can set up processes that reflect what the business has done for a long time, but you can reflect what you think makes a lot of sense and is best practice for your particular organization. Hopefully what that means is that if we aren't already in the near future, we can be the world's best in-house legal department. Welcome to the Council Podcast, a podcast about life as an in-house lawyer. I'm your host, Mel Scott, Senior Legal Counsel at a global technology company based in Brisbane, Australia. I am passionate about all things in-house and am so excited to share insights, interview key people in our profession and demystify in-house practice. My guest today is Kirk Simmons, the head of legal at Canva. Canva is one of the most exciting Australian companies at the moment. And after some awesome experience at eBay and Cricket Australia, Kirk saw an opportunity at Canva and took it. As their first in-house lawyer, he has grown the team to nine in under four years, as Canva's growth continues to skyrocket as well. No two days are the same for Kirk at Canva, and his advice rings true for all in-house lawyers in fast-paced companies that are in scale-up mode. Look, I'm not going to lie, this episode had its fair share of technical difficulties. The irony of this occurring to two lawyers in the tech space is not lost on me. The audio gets a little funky around the 17 minute mark and we lost a chunk of my question to Kirk. So I recorded it again later, but it is not seamless. But stick with us, Kirk saves his best pearls of wisdom for the end of the episode. Enjoy this episode with Kirk Simmons and please feel free to share it with anyone in your network who may also find value in it for their own career. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kirk. We connected on LinkedIn originally, I recall, and then you kindly invited me to join the Tech House Council community on Slack, where we network with other in-house lawyers who work for tech companies. And this is actually our first in-person conversation, which is super exciting. So thank you again for giving up a precious hour of your Sunday afternoon to be here with me. Thank you, Mel. And it's, it's great to hear you sort of in the flesh. (laughs) (laughs) It's as close as we're going to get being in different states at the moment, that's for sure. I want to start off with my first question. If you had a limitless credit card, but could only spend it at one shop, what shop would that be and why? I'd have to say Amazon because I think it has everything. And yeah, I recently became a father and I think I've learned the merits of Amazon and its ability to sell nappies to you and dispatch them on relatively short notice, which is a <laughs> godsend as a new parent. So I'd, I'd say Amazon because it's got everything from nappies to books to board games and more. Fantastic. Great answer. And congratulations. I have no doubt that there's some AI involved that will just start noticing that your nappy stock <laughs> is low and just start sending them to you. If they don't do that already, I'm sure that they will. And that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> I guess to, to get to the matter at hand, I'd love to know what was your first legal job and then how you found your way to in-house life. My first legal job was uh, a clerkship at a law firm. Before I took up a job as a graduate at that firm, I then spent a year working as a judge's associate, which 
helped me to develop an interest in litigation. And when I returned to the firm, I worked in a small team that dealt with everything from allegations of forged artworks to disputes around the team or C. And when it comes to your career, one of my mentors said it's always worth looking ahead. And, and when I was a senior associate, I looked ahead and naturally the next path if you're at a, at a firm is, is to move towards partnership and mm. I didn't think that was for me and I started looking I started looking and I just kept applying after I got home at work and not being able to make interviews because of court matters and things like that and I got to a point where I think I'd finished work very late one night maybe 2am or something like that and I'd come home and I thought you know what that's that's enough for me so I actually quit without a job and it's sort of like a firecracker wow. that forces you to to find something and I then started searching and and I found a job at eBay in-house there in the Sydney team. I love that you've really forced yourself into that situation like there's nothing that's going to get you motivated to get a job when you have quit without one to go to <laughs> so that's awesome and interestingly you made that jump from a back-end litigation practice to the in-house space was the eBay job a disputes focus or, or was it pretty general? Yeah, so they were they were keen to have someone with a disputes focus. And I think one of the tough things that you find when you are a back-end lawyer is that if you want to move in-house, uh, I suppose typically the three areas that you might look at would be banking, construction or insurance. And I think it's hard to find opportunities outside of that. Not that they don't exist, but it's hard to find that. And I was fortunate that the person I, I interviewed with was also a back-end lawyer who'd picked up front-end skills. So mm. they they thought that you could you could make the transition and I, I definitely have. And as I've gone along the way, I've met a lot of people from, from my kind of background that have made the switch in-house and it's not necessarily easy, but providing you're curious and still willing to learn, I don't think there's anything that, that will hold you back. Yeah, that's actually really great advice and, and really nice to just focus on that because I think it's kind of a, a cliche that we hear that the the in-house lawyers tend to be the ones that come from the commercial space or the front end space typically and I love to share stories where that's not the case and and just to shine a light on the fact that anything goes actually like you know these old stories that we hear are just oh man they're just so untrue once I hear so many different experiences so there's so many different ways to to kind of get to where you want to go and I love that you you found that from from litigation and then yeah into eBay and in in tech as well which is awesome so I'd I'd love to love to deep dive a little bit into your experiences as a tech lawyer in-house lawyer but before we even get to that I know that you also have had some experience in other industries outside of tech. So I'd, I'd love to kind of ask you about that as well. Prior to being at, at Canberra now, I worked at Cricket Australia, which is down in Melbourne. And one of the things, if, if you're thinking about changing it up as an in-house lawyer, is that you've got to really move into industries in which you've got a genuine interest. And mm. I, I love sport in particular. I love cricket. And I think, as you'd know, Mel, that the best in-house lawyers understand their business. And if you are genuinely sure. interested in the business, it makes the job less of a job and it makes your advice far more nuanced than it, it otherwise would be. And the result is that you're a much better lawyer to your organisation. So I, I definitely recommend looking at areas where you've got an interest in because for the most part, I think a large amount of lawyering is, is probably using a, a skill set that 
is the same whether you work at a construction company or a tech company or whatever the industry might be but it's it's really that interest in in the underlying subject matter that I think sets people apart yeah for sure and kind of speaks to your general day-to-day happiness and and just overall excitement to be working you know for the big events that cricket australia would be would be hosting and and dealing with i think to your point we you've got to be compelled to work where your interests are and where you have the a genuine understanding of the business i'm not sure how useful i would be in the cricket <laughs> space but i love that you've you got to experience that as well and just touching on that difference of of industries and switching from from ebay to cricket australia and then back to tech you know your skills obviously are transferable but when you're making that switch to the new industry what would you to suggest to anyone that wants to do that more broadly i think you always need to be upfront with the organization you're going to about the skills that you've got and the skills that you don't have because i think at the end of the day providing you're a good candidate you can most in-house lawyers should be able to eventually get to the same result on a problem mm. there's always a bit of subjectivity because that's the nature of, of legal work but I think if you give two lawyers the same task and one's probably got more experience in it, obviously they're going to do it quicker. But I think that if you're upfront with with the organisations you go to about the expertise that you do have and the expertise that you don't, I think that that can help. And in some cases, you might need to take a a step back with your career to, to kind of make that transition. In some cases, you may not. But yeah, I think, does that, does that answer the question? Absolutely. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm happy to answer it again. I'm just no. That makes I, perfect like, sense. And you did you did touch on this before. I think you said curiosity and have an interest in in the business and continuing to learn. And there's there's nothing that's going to you know it's going to get in your way. But when you transition into a different industry, there's just going to be some deep diving that's that needs to be done. And I think if you can expect that and understand that you know, getting up to speed on the the content, the subject matter, the industry, you know, it takes time. But if you've got that genuine curiosity and interest, it's it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun, I've found, certainly. And, and I would say that if you are an in-house lawyer making a switch to another in-house organisation, one thing I've noticed is that when we look to hire candidates, they aren't always from other in-house organisations, they're sometimes from private practice. And those lawyers, while they might have the right technical, say we're hiring for a, an IP specialist and that, that lawyer has private practice IP experience that's very relevant, they at the same time might not have the same experience working in an organisation and the commercial nature of that. Uh, and I, I think sometimes you've got to say, well, yes, there's a, an element of your craft and your skill set that is based on the area of law that you've been working on. But there's also an element of your craft that is more related to the soft skills you develop as an in-house practitioner. Mm. And if you are an in-house practitioner looking to switch industries, that would definitely be something something to, to point to. And I think someone once told me you've got to spin it till you win it. And that's something I would be spinning. <laughs> For sure. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. So if we fast forward a little bit, you, it's about three and a half years ago, you've started at Canva. What a juggernaut and what an experience the last three and a half years must have been for you. Can you tell us a little bit about your role there and how you describe what you do to somebody outside of the company? Canva is a simple way to create beautiful graphics. It's this drag and drop design tool that's being created to be incredibly user-friendly. And right now it's got 
over 35 million monthly active users registered on a platform and they're from 193 different countries and that's today but back then it was a little bit smaller and there are a few less staff and certainly when I started there, there there wasn't any any legal team there were people who'd studied law and decided or made the wise choice to not be lawyers and, and worked as product right. managers and recruiters and things like that in fact one of our co-founders actually studied a law degree Cameron Adams oh, there you go. but but I guess in, in terms of what my role is there I think it's to help the company reach its goals and and that that's in a, a range of ways that's from setting up scalable processes so so that we can do do our jobs as lawyers and it's, it's also down to doing the contracts that help us build big partnerships that bring in users and bring in uh revenue to yeah it's it's hard to describe what i do to someone outside of the company because when i interviewed there over three and a half years ago now i, I was told by the cfo that no two days at Canva would be be the same and that's been true for the whole whole period that i've been there but in terms of what i do i I help the business reach its goals. It's it's funny because when my wife overhears me on Zoom calls while we work from home or if I take a call while we're out, she often asks what percentage of your job is, is actually legal work. And I'd say that it's very hard to give you an exact percentage, but it's definitely not 100%. Mm. And my role is project managing strategic projects, whether it's the, the business setting up in China or rolling out a new ESOP program or, or doing an M&A deal. It, it, it's, it's a lot of non-legal stuff and it's balanced out with the odd legal thing here or there, which I still enjoy doing. So I guess in a, in a sentence, it's helping the business achieve its goals, <laughs> comma, legally. Um, yeah. Would be what, what I'd say <laughs> the role is. That's awesome. That pretty much sums it up, hey. And did I hear correctly that you were the first in-house lawyer at Canva? Yeah, I don't know whether they were looking for a lawyer when they hired me, but they, they got a lawyer and the mandate that I got given was to not not be a blocker. So don't hold things up. And I've taken that philosophy is, is don't be a blocker, but be an enabler. So how big is your team now? I think all up, including paralegals, we're at nine. And that's not just in Sydney, but we've hired in China, the Philippines, and we've got a new starter in the US in our Austin office two weeks from now. Oh, that's super exciting. So my gosh, you've been through quite a lot. And I'm sure if upon reflection, even now you might take a moment and and just think, wow, the last three and a half half years have been extraordinary. I have no doubt from the growth from M&A activity and and raising capital and and other strategic partnerships and people that you you get exposed to working at a company like Canva. It's it's all pretty, pretty epic, no doubt. And you mentioned earlier, I think you said the phrase scalable processes, which really stuck out to me, I suppose, as a philosophy for for growing your legal team from from one to nine. I'd love for you to tell us about some of your experiences of supporting the company through all of this serious growth and and scale. The experience of working at Canva is unlike anything I've had in my career to date. As you mentioned, I I didn't inherit an, an existing legal function and while it's been a bit of a challenge to be in that position, it's been extremely liberating because it means that you can set up processes that reflect what the business has done for a long time, but you can reflect what you think makes a lot of sense and is best practice for your particular organization. And hopefully what that means is that if we aren't already in the near future, we can be the, the world's best in-house legal department. 
the company's truly in hyper growth mode across companies in its industry and beyond. And, and so what that means is that everything we do from the terms we negotiate in contracts, the processes we set up and the hires we need, it all, it all needs to be scalable. And sometimes that means you, you, you need to be thinking not just uh, three or six months down the track, you need to be thinking 12 and 24 months down the track and setting up systems that don't just suit your team of two or three, but suit a team of 10. And, and that's meant that we've rolled out things or, or, or identified projects that we need to do today that'll kind of help with that scalability. And one of the great things we do at Canva is we work in a seasonal structure where every season, autumn, summer, et cetera, you set a team goal. And what we, we typically use those goals for is to implement some process improvement that is going to benefit the team and the business long-term. So it might be setting up an equity management platform or a contract management platform or whatever it might be. And that that's one way we find that as a team, we can work together to bring an efficiency to what we do for the business. Setting those those quarterly goals. And I'm sure that you, you're quite transparent with the business about what they are and, and how you're going against them. So no doubt the, the business certainly appreciates your efforts there. I'd love to ask you when you're looking ahead and and trying to understand the the vision for the company, how do you do that? Is that talking to senior executives and, and leaders in, in the business to understand what they're going to want from the legal team? Yeah, I, I think you definitely want to source views internally because they're your, they're your number one stakeholder. And you try and self-identify the things that need to be on the radar. The reality is as well that the company moves so quick and sometimes because it's it, it's able to pivot quickly, it does things that you could never have predicted 12 months prior. I mean, so you kind of get caught unawares. But but one thing I've found super useful is uh, the, the organization's very big on us reaching out to those who have trodden this path before from other large tech companies. And a great example is a few years ago when we were trying to figure out our, our IP strategy we were lucky enough to be put in touch with somebody who'd worked at Google very early on and, and they were able to kind of give us feedback on what we were doing and, and that is invaluable because they've gone through something very similar and there, there aren't a huge amount of people that have done this, at least in Australia. So that, that, was, that was super useful and, and it's something we try and do regularly. And you forget that you're part of a, an amazing profession that is the legal profession. And there are a lot of people out there that are happy to lend you their ear if you've got problems. And I'm always certainly happy to do that for others. So yeah, it, it's, it's great when you get people offering to help like that. I mean, that's kind of the genesis of this podcast, to be honest with you. I really wanted to give other in-house lawyers a platform to share their experiences as a bit of a beacon for others that might resonate you know, to what they're going through at the moment or, or what they would like in their career. And it's, yeah, it is so generous of you to, to come and to, to be interviewed by me because whether you realise it or not, you really will be giving so much insight to people who are in a super startup, micro startup, or, or even just completely scaling up. And in the spirit of sharing your insights and as someone working in a dynamic and fast-paced tech environment, I'd love to know what piece of tech, legal or otherwise, do you and your team love? I'd like to say Canva, but I, I don't want to. I don't want to just be shamelessly promoting it. Outside of Canva, I would say that 
it, it'd have to be either Google Docs or, or Slack. And they were two tools that I had not used prior to being at Canva, but they're tools that every Canvanaut uses in their day-to-day -day work. And there is just a huge amount of collaboration that you can do across both of those. And I think if you are an in-house lawyer looking to, to set up some form of legal tech stack in, in your organisation, sometimes it can be very easy to be swayed by the bespoke, somewhat expensive tools mm. that exist. Mm -hmm. And some of the best innovation you can probably deliver for your organisation is, is sometimes using free tools like Google Docs and Slack. And I think for us, whether it's managing a security incident, collaborating on a contract or as a team, sharing knowledge about recent case law or legislative updates, those tools allow us to do it. And there's just a huge wealth of knowledge now that, that keeps coming up around how to tweak those tools and set up things like Slack bots and things like that to help you in your day-to-day. -day. If I was to say a, a specific piece of legal tech, I would say that the tool that I love and why is probably Ironclad. We use that for contract management and the best the best thing it does is it, it works through a process called using workflows and workflows basically take the templates that you probably use as a day-to-day in-house lawyer and they take the knowledge that you have as an in-house lawyer and they combine them into a workflow so you can create forms that the business uses and other parts of that workflow that the business would otherwise use and create like it does everything from contract assembly to contract negotiation to, to contract mm. management and storage and I think that tool has been a, a, a time saver to a large degree for us. So it's a full end-to-end -end life cycle tool right. for your contracts and your matters? Yeah I could probably explain it better than I just did. I've got no affiliation with them other than the fact not, no. that I've wasted a lot of time doing demos for contract platforms. One thing I liked about Ironclad is that they just gave me the tool and they said, here you go. And I was able to play around with it. And and I won't say that the big e-sign contract management platform that everyone knows about, but they, <laughs> by contrast, were like, oh, no, we can't give you access because if we did, you'd go down lots of rabbit holes. And that's what you want. And you know what lawyers are like. You're probably on the far end of the spectrum of being tech savvy. A lot of lawyers aren't like that. And you kind of think, well, if you want to set up a scalable process for your team, it's got to be something that lawyers of all degrees of tech savviness can use. And, and I don't think there's a lot of them out there that are particularly easy to use. So, Well, I'm glad you've found one that really works <laughs> for you and, and the business. And do you use that tool to take instructions from within the business as well? Yeah, so I, we use that to take instructions on contract matters. So if you've got a contract to review or a contract to start, that's how you do it and that's how you give us all the information. But we don't want to force people to go through a particular mechanism to, to give us instructions. So in our team, we're happy for people in the business to contact us over Slack. They can also email Legal at Canva or they can come up to us and, and all three of those then um, channel into to Airtable, which is what we use for matter management. That's very nice of you to allow your colleagues to dictate how they would like to interact with the team. I I really quite like that. I, I think more often we see that the legal team will prescribe how you will talk to us, but that's not particularly customer-centric, is it? No, and you kind of, in a tech company, as you know, they often talk about the concept of frictionlessness. And if you want to have frictionlessness legal service, you, you do need to be on the terms that you, it needs to be provided on the terms that 
your users are going to be most comfortable with. And, and for us, that means taking instructions and, and giving advice over Slack. There's obviously things you need to consider. For example, we sometimes get people asking for advice in public channels. We don't respond in public channels because there are privilege issues around that. But you can take what people are comfortable with and, and, and work with it sometimes to the best way you can. And I think for us, that's meant doing all of that over the tools that they're happy with. I, I certainly probably still would be happier working off Microsoft Word for a lot of yep. my contracts, but it's harder for me to get instructions or or have somebody review a contract internally. So we work off Google Docs. And, and one of the good things with Ironclad is that we can ingest the documents into Ironclad, providing they're in docx format. So we can work off Google Docs. The people on the other side can work off Word. And providing it all goes back into the platform in docx format, everyone's able to be using whatever tool they want. I've got a couple of questions left for you, but I would like to know what a typical day in your legal life looks like now. I know your CFO said at the interview stage that no two days are the same, and I'd love to know if that's still your experience. It, it definitely is and has been my experience today at Canva, but I suppose you can still break the days down into themes. And at the moment, we're encouraged still to work from home. So over the past six months, I can count on one hand, how many times I've been into the office. That means that the day is made up of a lot of Zoom calls. As I mentioned before, my job involves a significant amount of, of non-legal work from legal ops to hiring to project management and liaising with external advisors. So that is a theme that's stayed true to date. And as we grow, I think one theme with my days is where at the start, as you said before, you end up being a Jack or Jill of trades and a master of some or none. As, as we get bigger, and I think this is true of a lot of larger companies, you increasingly have to specialise. And as we get bigger, I find that the areas that I'm focusing on are getting streamlined. And, and that's, that's good because like with anything, the more you do something, the better you get at it. And yeah, I'd say that's, that's definitely a theme recently. As we get bigger, I don't need to do employment, corporate, real estate, etc., or at least project manage those areas we're getting specific lawyers in, in to handle some of those areas, which makes work a little less varied, but nonetheless is challenging. Yeah, for sure. My last question for you, what is one awesome piece of career advice that you have been given? I'd say this in my career as well as in life generally, but, but be opportunistic. I don't necessarily prescribe to the philosophy that you ought to have something like a three- five, ten year plan because it's often dependent upon factors outside of your control and, and sometimes those factors as this year has shown can be significant and be opportunistic because sometimes if you take an opportunity that won't be an end in and of itself but it'll potentially take you down a different road which itself will have further opportunities that you can explore. So take the opportunities that present themselves to you whether it's attending a networking event, learning a new skill or as you're doing very well starting a side hustle like this podcast. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time today, Kirk. Thank you for having me, Mel. Thank you for listening to this episode of Council. Please subscribe to the show so that you don't miss future episodes. I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn or Instagram. Find me at The In-House Lawyer.